Crime Report, sponsored by the Crime Stoppers, Suffolk County, 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. It's wrong calls. R&D kept confidential. Monetary reward of up to $5,000 or more, sometimes issued. Uh, that for information that will lead to an arrest or arrest. Joe Jacklow, uh is a retired MLPD sergeant, former commanding officer of the Bronx Cold Case Squad. Current adjunct professor, by the way, John Jay College, and author of the Criminal Investigative Function, a guide for new investigators. On to edition number four. Joe, a highly decorated member of the police department, NYPD, back in the day, of course, most notable. Uh, Department Medal of Val- Valor, one of the highest honors you could get. The aforementioned SARS and Joe Jacklow. Sir, how are you? Good morning, Jay. How are you? I am doing well. We got a lot of stuff, my friend. Let's go over it. Today's a very sad day uh, where those uh, cops will be, uh, Joe, buried in Connecticut. The ambush uh, that happened uh, last week, cops uh, were heading to an area where there was some sort of a domestic, only to be uh, surprised upon firing, up- fired upon. Uh, and uh, just a sad day, really a very sad day. Two young officers, Joe. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I, I was following it, uh, the conversation online and social media. I mean, there was a great outpouring of sorrow from the public, and and it's just uh, it's it's just a shame that um, we're experiencing this kind of behavior where you know the cops are the bad guys, right? That's that's, that's what the message has been sent, and it's starting to show through in the numbers. I mean. Uh, the numbers of cops ambushed so far in 2022 is up dramatically. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, the only advice I could give the, the cops that are still out there now is you got to have your head on a swivel and you got to, you know, employ good tactics and, and just, uh, you know, keep your eyes open. And if you think something's wrong, then it might be, and you need to just go with that instinct because right now there's, a, there is just a, there's a target on your back. It is, you know, yeah, and look at this, 10 months in, and, uh, you know, we'll never forget the images of that, uh, the widow of that police officer, uh, right uh, right here locally, remember, who called out Alvin Bragg uh, at the funeral, the two cops who went to the apartment only to be ambushed themselves, those two cops, my goodness, and it just gets worse, Sarge, uh, you know, uh, we talk about this all the time, We're 10 months into this year, it's been a, it's been a horror show, and you look at, uh, you know, there are several factors locally, uh, you know, you have a DA who gave you the playbook. He'll tell you, he told you what he would prosecute, what he wouldn't, you know. I mean, if that doesn't set a tone for a rough, I and mean, this is really a rough year, but uh, certainly that's set it locally here. But uh, in Connecticut, just a, kind of a exclamation point of what's been going on here. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the latest statistics show that um, there have been 53 police officers killed by gunfire so far this year. Um, and it, it's it's a it's a, it's a big number, and you know I mean I I don't know what to uh, to make of it in, in certain certain aspects, but you know right now we have uh, uh, they're up twelve percent. I'm just looking on the um, the statistics. They're up twelve percent this year in um, killing of police officers. So th- that's not a good trend. <clears throat> it, it is not. It is not. Now, locally here, you know, when you cut a billion off the budget. Uh, as far as protection, police is concerned, this is what happens. You know, this is what happens. But a uh, very sad day uh, up there uh, where in Bristol, Connecticut, what happened there. Ongoing trial of the uh, Valva uh, deal, uh, Joe and Riverhead. Uh, and, you know, every day 
you know, you got to read about this uh, testimony. Teachers, special ed teachers, homicide detectives. Uh, yesterday, I think 31 clips were played, surveillance. Uh, just rough, rough stuff. Uh, and this, uh, this Michael Valva, you know, just a monster, the way he treated his kids. You know, incontinence and everything else, punished, getting directions sometimes from the ex-fiancé. Can't wait for that trial to occur. Uh, but in essence, you know, gut-wrenching stuff from a former cop here, Joe. We talk about it every week. Yeah, no, and uh, I think one of the most um, heart-wrenching or gut-wrenching uh, videos that they had of him when he's, he's in the, I guess, in the garage where he was, and, and uh, Michael Valvez heard saying that, uh, you know, asking his son, is he alive? The day he dies, right? So are you alive? So I mean, the, just the total cold and callousness of this whole situation is just, um, it's, it's it's awful. My God, I, don't know, I can't imagine what that boy boy uh, had to endure and, and had to deal with. And it just, um, you know, when you watch these, I encourage people, if you haven't, seen any of these videos that go online and watch some of the, the trial videos where they're showing uh, home video of what, what, what happened. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely outrageous. And you wonder how a cop, a father, could be so callous in nature uh, to have allegedly starved his kids. Starved his kids, folks. I mean, these kids were going to school looking for crumbs in the garbage bills. I mean, that's how bad it was. And beaten. And they come to school with bruises and lacerations and urine-stained clothing. I mean, it was just, I mean, you wonder, how could, how could somebody, how could a human being be that mean to his, to his own, you know? I mean, it's, it's unfathomable. I mean, there aren't enough, yeah. there aren't enough words, you know, Joe? There's just not enough words. No, there aren't, uh, the, the videos and the images are just—they're um, unbelievable. And, and we remember, but they're only—they're only showing us what they can show us. They're not showing us what the conditions that these kids were were in, you know. And it's just—I um, I don't know. This is—it's it, a tough case. It really is, and and we'll never figure out what kind of monster actually does something like this. But I think we'll by the end of this trial, I think we're going to find out how bad uh, these conditions really were. And uh, I just don't—I I can't imagine. Nope. So Jacqueline, the crime report. Uh, okay, we'll move on here. You have an East Williston attorney, uh, Joe, uh, yesterday. He was arrested by the FBI at his home. Uh, an individual by the name of John O'Kelly arrested. Uh, his attempted assault law enforcement officers with a baton. Uh, this was during the breach, January 6th at the Capitol. He was seen on video actually pushing metal bike rack fencing that was used to secure the building's perimeter. Uh, according to the prosecutors, and he's charged uh, with various offenses, but another individual locally here, Joe. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, he's, he's 66 years old, and he's he's now under arrest for this. Uh, I mean, yeah, for the, for the assault on the officer. It just goes to show you that you can't arrest your way out of a problem, right? I know we've heard lots of people on the other side of the aisle say you can't arrest your way out of a problem. Well, yeah, they've been doing that, and and, of course, the people that say you can't arrest your way out of a, out of a problem are cheering every arrest made here. So, yes, listen, incapacitation works. Uh, it, is, it is a deterrent for the next group of persons to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And uh, I, I, I don't feel sorry for this guy at all. I mean, they got them on video. They made the arrest. And there's now been uh, over 880 people, they said, arrested in, in the 50 states for this. So they're, they're still culling through information and, and video and 
And if people who were there think that they got away with it, I, I think this is a message saying that, you know, it's only a matter of time. Just a matter of time. No question. Uh, Joe Jacklow, the uh, crime report. This is an interesting one here where you had a an 81-year-old World War One veteran, uh, Joe, yep. who left his queen's home back in 1976 to get a haircut. Never seen from again, though. Never heard from. Tuesday, things changed in Queens. A former barber in the borough who had been friends with his uh, George Seats uh, for years, admitting killing this guy, the Army vet, dismembering his body and burying the remains in the backyard of a house uh, in Richmond Hill. I'll tell you, you know, we talk about this genetic uh, genealogy, and it works. You know, it really does work because, you know, the manslaughter charges that were attached to this Martin Mata uh, stuck, you know, through this uh, genealogy of genetics. So, you know, the newest technology you and I have spoken about worked here. Yep. This is a fascinating story, too, about how they put this all together, um, you know, from basically 40 years ago. And it's just uh, goes to show you how the new technology is changing the, the playing field, so to speak. So this is also the same uh, that was used to identify Valerie Mack. It's also now, we remember we spoke about, I think we spoke about Peaches last week, the uh, victim found in, in Hempstead Lake State Park, where and her baby was found in Gilgo. Uh, they're trying to identify some relatives down in Alabama for, for her. And also they're using it for other victims of uh, Gilgo. And here's here's another interesting fact. If you, if, you're, if you look into that story, the NYPD has hired its own forensic uh, genealogist now. So they have somebody that is working on these cases full-time, trying to put pieces together from family trees. I mean, I think that's a pretty fascinating step in the future of uh, help solving cold cases, and I think this is probably one of the things that is going to help more than just about any other technology out there. But it's it's painfully slow because it takes a long time to put these family trees together. And, and you know, you have one person working on probably one case at a time, but still it, it provides closure and it gives an opportunity for the families uh, out there to have a little bit of hope. You know, couple that with the, the new law law that was passed uh, by the president about um, homicide victims' rights, uh, I think this is another great step. So, listen, we might have answers for Gilgo sooner than we think of, maybe of who the victims were. Because once you know who your victims are, you might be able to put together the pieces to find out who the, the perpetrator was. So I, I think this is this is some fascinating news. No question about it. I have a lot of faith in Ray Tanny, uh, the DA in Suffolk. I think we're definitely going to have some breakthroughs. You know, one thing on this genetic genealogy, uh, you and I have spoken before about the familial uh, DNA and the opposition then, laws and all the everything else. How does that differ, uh, Joe, as far as that to this? Is it the same type of uh, genealogy that is connected and trying to find out some information here or no? Yeah, basically it's it's taking you know going back on the family tree um familial dna you know has sometimes the limitations of you have to follow the the line of the of the, the mother uh depends on what kind of the dna you have you have the nuclear dna or the mitochondrial dna so it gets a little bit like in the weeds kind of there we probably should find somebody who has um that expertise and maybe be able to break it down for us one day so that we can all understand uh, how this thing really works but the, the, the genealogist is building that family tree, so you're trying to find out who, um, for instance, the male parts, because that's what you, basically you're looking for as perpetrators in these cases, who are the possible male 
donors. Now, the issue that comes down to is that you might have several people that you have to then try to get DNA samples from in order to find the right person. So that's where things get a little tricky. Tricky, uh, but uh, nonetheless, technology seems to be working. Here, a couple more for Joe here in the Crown Report. Uh, big story, and uh, we need some help here, Joe, about identification and whatnot. Uh, you're trying to locate a hit-run driver who fatally crashed into that 13-year-old. This took place on uh, October the 12th. Uh, it was in Corum, bike lane. The kid was walking with his sister, and, uh, you know, listen, apparently he probably saved the sister's life uh, when you think about it. But police need some help here. They got a, uh, a viewpoint of, of the car. It could be a dark-colored Chevy Equinox, you know, may, maybe made within a four-year period, 05, 09, right in there. Uh, and that car was headed west on Granny Road. Uh, hit the pair. It was around 7.30 in the evening, Sarge. But uh, this is something where, you know, you hope uh, somebody saw something. You can submit a tip. There's a five thousand dollar reward, by the way. One eight hundred two two zero tips two two zero eighty four seventy seven. You hate uh, these types of stories uh, because of closure and everything else. You got to get this uh, whoever did this uh, to come forward, Joe. It's a tough one. Yeah, no, and I encourage people to just watch some of the news coverage on this. Uh... I mean, when you look at that, um, you know, narrow street where they where they were walking down there. I mean, it's is dangerous. But the issue that comes down to is, you know, God forbid you hit somebody, just stop the car. I mean, somebody's laying on the side of the road injured. But the other thing that that um, they didn't mention though is maybe some of the uh, places that you get your car fixed at. So some of the auto body shops might be able to pl- provide some clues in this. So maybe somebody who came to get there car fixed um and the story didn't match up or they were paying for it themselves and they're not going through insurance and something was just not right and those are the individuals they want to reach out to too so for anybody who owns an auto body shop out there in suffolk um this is something to look out for and and maybe call the tip line if you think there's something suspicious i mean that's the idea behind this no question five thousand dollar reward too hopefully uh some of the come forward and finally joe you know this this other one going on right now with the trial, Tyler Flack. You know, this was the Oceanside uh, brawl, after-school brawl. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you kind of peel it back a little bit, you, you hear the uh, testimony from various folks, uh, and this kid has pled not guilty to second-degree murder, apparently had, you know, some sort of a weapon in hand and everything else against this uh, Cassine Morris. But, uh, you know, testimony continuing. Uh, and you had a forensic pathologist yesterday perform the autopsy uh, and really kind of bolstered the contention of the defense that Flack uh, stabbed Morris once, not three times, though, uh, as the prosecutor told juries last week during some opening statements there. Would that have any effect, do you think, on this thing? I, I don't really think so, but um, what I think was, was so far the, the worst part of it for the defense was the one of the witnesses there who said that uh, Tyler admitted to uh, cutting someone. So that's, you know, kind of like that in passing, hey, I just cut somebody kind of thing. So it's um, that's that's an interesting part of the whole uh, issue. Remember, we got to have a jury who's going to decide on what's exactly what they think is the most important aspect of it. So having defense attorneys and, and 
their experts, you know, throwing things back and forth, right? That's up for the jury to decide on what they they believe is the real um the real issues here. So uh I, I don't I don't know exactly how they're going to feel about that, but uh, I don't know how how much of a um difference that makes, right? So stab once or stab three times doesn't really matter at that point. He's he's still stabbed the kid and the kid's dead. So we shall see, right? We'll see how the uh how they work it out. Lots happening, my friend. Joe Jacklin on the Crime Report, uh, Suffolk uh, Crime Tips. Suffolk County, the tips hotline, ladies and gentlemen, at uh, 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. All calls kept anonymous and rewards, just as what we described in that 13-year-old uh, being sought as far as information that will lead to an arrest. $5,000 cash reward in that case. Sarge, good weekend, my friend. We'll talk. You stay well.